From the White House in Washington, D.C., CBS Radio presents an informal address by President Dwight D. Eisenhower. He will speak on the problems and concerns of all Americans in this atomic age. Ladies and gentlemen, the President of the United States. Good evening, my friends. This evening, I want to talk to you about a very big subject. I want to talk to you about this great country of ours. I should like to ask you with me to make a quick survey of its strengths, its problems, its apprehensions, and its future. Particularly, I'd like to talk to you about what you and I can do about its future. Now, if we first take a look at the strength of America. As the United States entered April 1954 with the Cold War at its height, Congress and the President authorized the founding of the U.S. Air Force Academy in Colorado. Walt Disney was signing a contract with ABC TV for a Disneyland series. There were plans to build a new theme park in Southern California. Legendary conductor Arturo Toscanini was retiring as Elvis Presley was recording his debut single, That's All Right. The hydrogen bomb now existed. Brown versus the Board of Education was being decided. A certain senator from Wisconsin was claiming the armed forces were rife with communist spies, and there was worry about involvement in present-day Vietnam. On April 4th, Dwight Eisenhower gave this speech on fear. We hold that all men are endowed by their creator with certain rights. Three days later, he unveiled his domino theory, portending that for every country who fell under communism's grip, more were likely to follow. However, it was no secret that Eisenhower didn't see eye to eye with Senator McCarthy, and the former Supreme Commander of World War II's Allied forces understood how internal division could make a country vulnerable. By this I mean. That was the same in the radio industry, where those who could find work in TV were doing so with rapidity. Of the top 15 TV shows, at least nine had begun on radio in some form. For example, the things that were stated in the Bill of Rights. This included Dragnet, Arthur Godfrey, The Life of Riley, Our Miss Brooks, This Is Your Life, and The Jack Benny Show. His right to worship as he pleases and think as he pleases and talk as he pleases. But American forefather Alexander Hamilton once said that in times of great chaos, people can make their name. That was never truer than in the spring of 1954. Of course, as Joseph McCarthy would find out, people who create great chaos can at times lose theirs. Tonight, we'll find out more. Everything else goes by the board. We must be strong in our dedication and our devotion to America. That is the first element of our entire strength. Welcome to Breaking Walls, episode 126. My name is James Scully. Tonight, we continue our 1954 miniseries by picking up in April as McCarthy's army hearings get underway. If this is your first time listening to Breaking Walls, welcome to the show. You can find this series 
on every podcasting platform and at thewallbreakers.com. Tonight's opening song is the Mondo Exotica Voodoo Dreams by Les Baxter. He came straight out of tonight's era. Join the Breaking Walls Facebook group to keep in touch with news, snippets, photos, and other additions to the podcast at facebook.com slash groups slash thewallbreakers. You can also support these shows for as little as $1 per month at patreon.com slash thewallbreakers. Granny's over. I believe that's our ring. I dog Islam, I believe you're right. I'll see. Hello, John M. Downstore. This is Lumen Abner. In April 1954, Lumen Abner was airing as a weekday 15-minute serial. The show was syndicated out of KABC in Los Angeles. That year, the American Broadcasting Company's flagship LA station had changed its call letters from KECA. Chester Locke was Lum Edwards. Norris Goff was Abner Peabody. Although the comedy was reaching the end of the line, it was still one of the most beloved folksy radio shows of all time. On this day, Lum found out he'd need famous ancestors if he wanted to marry Miss Priddle, while Abner set up a prank. Oh, this'll be the biggest April Fool joke I ever played on anybody my whole life, Granddad. Yeah, I wouldn't do it for you, Abner. No, I made up my mind. Maybe it'll make Lum realize he's supposed to be running a store here. Get some of them get-rich-quick ideas out of his head. He's just wasting his time trying to invent something. Just the same, I don't believe Lum deserves a thing like this. Grandpap, I just want him to settle down for a while. Now get on back to the feed room. You'll know about when the right time comes to go around and come in the front door. I'll get him good mad first. <laughs> How are you going to get him on the subject? I know you can get a feller off the subject easy enough, all right. I'll get him on the subject. I've been studying up some ways to do this for quite a spell. I believe April Fool's Day is about the best way to work it. Now, get on back there. Lum's coming up the steps out there right now. All right. I guess you know what you're doing. Well, he'd do the same thing to me, Grandpap. I know he would. Now, stay out of sight. Well, morning, Lum. Er, afternoon. Uh, howdy, Abner. What do you mean, afternoon? Oh, that's right. Still morning, ain't he? Did you have a nice time last night? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I always enjoy myself when I'm with Penelope. Well? She lives with her Aunt Agatha there at the county seat, you know. Y- you told me, yes. Yeah, we had supper over there and spent the evening talking. Well, Aunt Agatha's a nice woman, huh? Oh, yeah, a real fine woman. Good for her. Awful proud, though. She don't want no bums in her house, I'll tell you that. What'd you do, sat out on the porch all evening? Don't try to be funny, Abner. What I'm trying to get at is, if I can't prove I've got a whole bunch of important ancestors, Aunt Agatha won't ever let me and Penelope get married. I know that. She won't, huh? Fact is, I believe that's why they invited me over to their place last night. Thought they invited you over there for supper. Well, they did, but I believe the supper part of it was just a decoy. Well, what'd you do? 
Uh-uh. I said I believe there was another reason for inviting me over there. The supper part was a decoy. That's what I thought you said. Well, you must have been pretty miserable sitting there trying to make a meal out of a wooden duck. I never said we had a wooden duck for supper. You did, too. You stood right there and told me they served a decoy for dinner. Oh, for goodness sake. Of course, sir. I reckon it'd come in handy in a way, though. You could use the splinters for toothpicks. <laughs> what, they stuff the duck with sawdust? <laughs> oh, cut it out, Emma. That ain't funny to me. Oh, no. I'm just trying to explain something to you, and I don't believe you've got the least idea what I'm talking about. You said Aunt Agatha was awful proud. And she is. I've sure got to make an impression on her. I ain't got a chance with Penelope. Well, didn't you fib to her and tell her what a big successful inventor you are? Well, it wasn't exactly fibbing. Ah. I am working on some inventions, you know. Oh, yeah. I noticed how hard she's working yesterday morning. Sat there for two hours watching the tea kettle boiling. I was just doing what other great inventors has done. Oh, Lord. Well, that's the way James Watt invented the steam engine, by just watching a tea kettle boiling on the stove. James who? What? I said James who. And I said what? James Watt. He invented the steam engine as what? I'm trying to find out what his name is. Told me his first name is James. What's his last name? That's right. What's his last name? Who? It's one, two, goodness, Abner. If you don't hatch up, I'm going to whop you right over the head. I didn't mean nothing. You see, Aunt Agatha's awful proud of her lineage. Huh? She's a descendant of Alexander Hamilton on her father's side, and she's got John Adams' blood in her, I know. Wow. Oh, her family's all cluttered up with United States presidents. Hmm. One of her uncles is a relate of Monroe by marriage. One of the, the Maggio boys? No, for goodness sakes, I don't mean that Monroe. You ought to see the family album she's got. I bound you that things are foot thick and just crammed with folks that signed the Declaration of Independence and one thing or another. She showed me a picture, and then she'd talk about it for a while, and then she'd stop and look at me. And... Waiting for you to tell her about one of your ancestors, huh? Yeah. Them dead silences got to be awfully embarrassing for a while. Well, couldn't you think of none of your ancestors that signed some important papers, like a Declaration of Independence or something? Well, tell you the truth, Abner, I don't know for sure that any of them could even write. Oh. Uh. And I know one thing. If I want to get in good with Aunt Agatha, I've got to dig up some importance grandfathers and great-grandfathers. Dig them up? I mean, if none of my ancestors was important, then I've got to make up some. Now, Lum, don't go making up a bunch of stuff to tell that poor old lady. It just gets you in trouble like it always does when you try to be something you ain't. Well, now, Abner, I've got to make an impression somehow. Right? Oh, here we go. Well, I can't do it with money. I sure ain't got none of that. What went with all your money? Well, tell you the truth, I did have some of it I was hiding back. Because when I made out my income tax, I never wanted to admit I'd sit you failure, so I added a lot of income there that I never even got, just so I could make a big payment. Put out money that you never had? I know it sounds silly to you, but I just never wanted them giver men people to think I wasn't a success. I know what you done. You taken that tax blank in there and showed it to Mr. Penelope just to impress her how much you made. That's what you done. Well, I had her sort of glance over just to check my figures. Good enough for you. I'm glad you had to pay on that. Well, I don't see what harm there is in just telling a little tiny white story once in a while. Well, them little tiny white stories can get awful black and dirty from getting kicked around so much, I'll tell you that. Yeah. Long, why don't you just try being yourself for a while? I just don't like me, I guess. Well, just try. You ain't never give yourself a chance to get acquainted with the real you, a plain, honest storekeeper that... Pays attention to business instead of sitting around watching a tea kettle boil and 
dreaming up some ticketitious relays like your make-believe brother, Lou Ellen. Well, now, wait a second, though. Lou Ellen come in awful handy for a while. Ah, fiddle-dee-dee. Well, if it hadn't have been for him, Penelope would have found out I had to work over at the barbershop as a shoeshine boy. I know it. Then when Lou Ellen wasn't no use to me no more, I just got shut of him. Sent him clean down to the South Pole. <laughs> Could at least send him to a better climate. For pity's sakes, Abner, Lou Ellen weren't no real live person. What's the matter with you anyway? Lou Ellen was a whole lot realer than you, Air Law Matters. Huh? Everything you didn't want to be, you made Lou Ellen be. You shoved every bit of your dirty work off onto him. What's more, he taking it like a gentleman, never argued. Now look he. here, Abner. And he weren't ashamed of being a shoeshine boy, neither. He never cared what folks thought. I bound you if you'd have let him stay here, he'd have beat you out of Penelope Prittle, too, if she's any count at all. You ought to went to the South Pole and let Lou Ellen stay here. My grannies, that does it. I see who's friends you are. If you like Lou Ellen so much better than me, we can just unsolve partnership. Oh, no, we ain't. If you want to get out of being partners with me, buy me out. And the price, buddy, is $2,000. Oh, so that's it. That's you know it. I ain't got a dime, so you're just trying to humiliate me. Make me shame. Yeah, it's too bad Lou Ellen ain't here so you can shove the shame off on the ham. That's hey, what you special do. deliver letter for Lou Ellen. Come in, Grandpap. Special deliver letter. Big baker. For me? Here. Give it here, Grandpap. I wondered who could it be from. Huh. The letter felt kind of cold, like it might have come clean from the South Pole. Grandpap. Let's see here. Dear Brother Lum. Huh. Well, I'll be dead blamed. I just wanted you to know what a good time I had while I was in Pine Ridge. I had some money you never knowed about, but they ain't nothing to spend it on down here at the South Pole, so I want you to have it. So there's $2,000 in your name in the county seat bank. $2,000. Don't go spending it on some crazy invents. Ha, ha. And don't never try to make me take it back, because you ain't never going to see me no more. If you thought you really never had no twin brother, all I can say is a great big April fool. Signed, your brother, Lou Ellen. Abner Lou Allen Peabody, you old son of a gun. <laughs> Lum and Abner would sign off the air for the final time on May 7th. However, the duo would star in one more film, Lum and Abner Abroad, in 1956. <laughs>